0: This podcast is brought to you by chasingRoos.com, the online store for international
1: rugby league fans. Hello and welcome to Chasing Kangaroos. I am Big T, views of my own, and I'm recording said views on Gadigal land. With me, finally, back together is Sydney's hardest-working and most delicious carb, (laughs) Michael Carboni. Benvenuto, Cabanara. How are you, sir?
0: Big T, it has been, has it really been like half a year since we've recorded a podcast together?
1: Amazingly, we worked harder together during lockdown and now that everything's back open again, never seeing each other.
0: It's it's a bit crazy and I just, I just, I've missed you mate, I've missed that, well I haven't missed your sexy voice because I've been listening to you over at uh, Sports Best <laughs> Friends, so I get to hear your sexy right. voice every week at least once, but um, it's good to be chatting again and talking, you know, with a little bit of an old school Chasing Kangaroos episode here tonight.
1: Yeah, golden points, Stiles. Um, now, is there anything about the wonderful world of carbonos that we should learn before we hit golden points? Is there anything fun or fabulous happening in the world uh, in your part of Sydney?
0: Mate, it's just raining, it's cold. But oh, yeah. yeah. You know you know how it is. Um, <laughs> our friends over in the UK, they're complaining about heat waves, which, you know, yeah. we probably wouldn't mind right now. But look, why am I talking about the weather? This is ridiculous. There's so much going on. In the world of rugby league um and yeah i just I, I can't wait to to chat to you about it all
1: one of the best things about rugby league is it can be played in any weather that's one thing i've always loved about it except for when i'm refereeing and it's monsooning but i do as a fan i love that it never gets bin for that now um it's important to know about all of those weather things across the world because of course the fabulous world cup is coming soon and our first golden point is about lines in the sand or allegiances or whatnot. Um, hit us up with our first golden point about Victor Radley.
0: Well, I think everyone who's listening would have heard this by now, but Victor Radley has changed his allegiance. He, or, you know, when I say changed, he, I don't think he's played for the Kangaroos, obviously, so he hasn't really changed. But he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's decided to put his hand up for, for England at this World Cup, which will mean that's where he stays for life. It's a T one nation. He'll never wow. be able to play for the Kangaroos and apparently never be able to play State of Origin. He's been on the cusp. But um, for me, this has been a big one. I had a, I recorded a whole podcast a couple of weeks ago about Brian To'o and his choice to choose Samoa ahead of Australia and what that meant for State of Origin and what that meant for Samoa, Australia, the World Cup, etc. And um, it's happening again two weeks later now with Victor Radley. And, and I must admit, this one came out of the blue for me.
1: Yeah. Me too. Um, I also have been mildly interested in the lack of backlash that he's got compared to To'o. Oh, did I did I miss that? Do I just follow the right people, or or it, have the Talking Heads been less vocal about this appointment or well, this decision?
0: It seems to be a little less vocal, and and I'm wondering why that is myself. Do you think it's because like to-o was you know playing for New South Wales and probably would have been. You know, one of the first wingers chosen for, like, he definitely would have made the Kangaroos side. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he's, you know, turned his back, you know, and decide and run with his heart, his heritage. Whereas Radley, you know, he's on the cusp of origin. He's always been there or thereabouts. You know, he gets, you know, injured at the wrong time sometimes. But, you know, I think it's safe to say he probably wouldn't have been in the Kangaroos squad going to this World Cup. So maybe there's a little bit of. You know, oh well, he's you know he wouldn't have made it anyway, so there's not as much of, of backlash. I don't know what do you, what do you think?
1: Is he even a walk on for that English side? I don't follow it closely enough to even know that. I wonder if if it's maybe not as big a idea because we know was going. Whatever team Total wants to play for is on, um, be that Origin or international. Maybe it's not as big a deal because Victor, although has said he'll play for England, they might not even need him. So. Look, back, that.
0: you'd you'd think your back row for England and your and your th- your eleven, twelve, thirteen would be, you know, probably John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, and perhaps Morgan Knowles. Um, but I think Radley takes the thirteen now. I think he would actually get there, and you'd think he would have, you know, he would have had a discussion, we um, we've with, with, with Sean Wayne, the coach, before, before. making the decision mm. to say, "Hey, am I going to get picked here?" And mm. you know, they would have jumped at the chance. Worst case scenario, he's a pretty good 14. Like, he covers quite a few positions. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I don't know, did, uh, Have you did you hear his interview, you know, talking about his allegiance and why he chose England? No. So he, for him it was, you know, his old man's obviously born in England, and he said he went with his gut. He just felt deep down that this is where he needed to play, and, and that's where he felt he needed to go. And it's hard to... It's hard to argue with that. I mean, you know, Mm. I think rugby league is very progressive in this area where, you know, it's not your heritage, your culture isn't necessarily the place you were born. There's a lot more to it. And I feel like we're, as a sport, you know, for different, for obvious circumstances sometimes, but we, um, I guess we have opportunities, especially us Aussies who, you know, who can embrace our culture and heritage in rugby league. We have opportunities to represent, you know, we're... I guess wherever we want, you know. So it's um it's unique, but I think it's quite progressive as well.
1: Yeah, and also we celebrate constantly how diverse uh, Australia yeah. is multiculturally, and that doesn't mean that a whole bunch of different people come together to make one. It also means that after a generation, or even the people who turned up or the people who have lived here for a long time are also themselves multicultural within themselves their background is multicultural so yeah. at, at different times of their life or, or through different feelings or whatever they get to to represent that and the fact that they have an opportunity to represent that is also great and maybe part of the problem that people have when they when they feel uneasy about it or feel like they want to just to, to talk poorly about it is that they've never had that opportunity or or have more than one part of themselves that could be represented and so they don't know that dichotomy or that that challenge that might come up or the pride that you finally have when you have an opportunity to represent parts of your life or family or heritage. So it's, as a person who's never had to do it either myself, I, I can only imagine and, and want to celebrate anyone who's given that opportunity and makes that choice.
0: It's a big decision too because, you know, between the T1 and T2 slash three nations, you know, you can sort of represent different parts of your culture. So a to- Or can play, he's been playing for New South Wales and, and he can play for Samoa, you know. Um, yeah. We've seen players represent Australia or New Zealand and then go back and represent an, one of the islands, you know, a T2 nation. But Victor is choosing England, and that means that's where he stays for his career. Like he can never, unless the rules change, which I don't think they will, at international no. level, he can't represent Australia ever. Um, if he was to, ma- even if he was to make it, but I'm wondering because you yourself, Big T, like you're obviously a staunch New South Welshman. Big, big interstate of origin like most of us but where do you stand on the origin eligibility debate because that's coming up a fair bit, it came up with and it's coming up again now so people saying, you know, Victor Radley technically, you know, born in New South Wales, born in Sydney um, why shouldn't he be able to play for New South Wales and still also represent his heritage with England, there's, mm. there's a lot of people asking that question and I, I must admit like I don't disagree with that, that at all, to be honest with you
1: yeah, yeah. I think I think it couldn't. I think it's. I haven't had enough time to think about it, um, and, and I would need some real time to to look at it and think about it. But I mean, Origin in itself seems quite wacky in how you can, you know, be part of it anyway. So just to have played a particular amount of your football in a particular state means that you're from that state is already murky place to start. Um, you know, you could be born in a different country and then play a lot of of here. So. Um, to to put it just on where you were born, like Victor, or he was born in Sydney, New South Wales, so therefore he should. Well, then that negates all those people who were born in New Zealand or Fiji or wherever, and then mm. and later become proud Queenslanders or New South Welshers. Um, you know you can't use both those. You can't use that line and then not use it on other people. So. Um, I think I think it needs to be maybe almost case by case or however it, however it feels. But at the moment, I don't see a problem with this one. I can definitely see that you could you could be part of the New South Wales Rugby League system and therefore want to play for New South Wales Rugby League because that's essentially what I think it is. At the end of the day, you're playing for Queensland Rugby League and New South Wales Rugby League. You're not actually playing for the state of New South Wales. There's no government funding really that goes into that or yeah. tax payer what? money or whatever. So. Really, you're playing with New South Wales Rugby League and Queensland Rugby League. They make up the rules that say, oh, you're representing New South Wales Rugby League for a period of time, so now for you can represent us forever. And at the same time, you can be born in another country and still want to represent that. So maybe the real problem, I guess, is when we see Sonny Bill Williams or, or someone who, um, that, that other guy who played, Sam... Sam Burgess. Burgess, who is two Australians, iconically English or, or New Zealander, and then they come and play Origin, then it starts to feel like it's just an all-star game and it's going to lose a lot of its authenticity and it's already very commercialised.
0: I think that's the clear line, right? Like Sam Burgess should never be able to play, or someone like that should never be able to play State of Origin. Now, But under the the rules as it stands, Victor Radley, if he plays for another T1 nation, he's technically not allowed to play State of Origin, right? So that's Mm -hmm. as the rule stands. So he could... By choosing England, and he knows this, he would have spoken to to Freddie and and, and others and got an advice, but by playing for England under the current rules, he is unavailable for origin selection. Now, they can change those rules fairly easily. Like, it's not, this isn't international eligibility we're talking about. So whilst he can never play for Australia, the question is, is origin an Australian selection game? Or is it like a test of the best New South Welshmen versus the best Queenslanders? Like... And and I th- I think the rule will change. I'm not saying Radley would is is going to play Origin anytime soon. He might. I think he's good enough. But um, as the rule stands right now, he's he's sort of you know drawn that line in the sand as he sort of mentioned earlier in his combat
1: Yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe if you make that choice, knowing that that ramification, then then you also shouldn't be able to play.
0: But don't you think it's possible to be like like for myself right i'm i'm italian in culture i'm australian but I, like i'm i could i I'd, I'd never be good enough but i'd like to i would have liked to have played for new south wales why can't you be why can't you be you know more than one thing
1: yeah because <laughs> because that because i don't want you to in this situation but in other situations, I do. And so, so this, I completely see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. What saying.
0: But what you've just hit, so and what you've just hit, like you haven't been able to explain why you feel a certain way, but you just mm. feel it feels wrong, and mm. that's where the line is super blurry. Because on paper, Radley could play, he could play New South Wales and England, but for mm. some people, and you know, obviously you're one of them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for a lot of people, it's like, no, no, there's it just doesn't feel right. That's not that's not what state of origin is, and that's the blurry line. That's the big comment. Yeah. But yeah,
1: and also I think New Zealand and England have such a close rivalry and annoyingness with us. We have such a clear relationship with them, which is which is lovely and endearing. Which is why it can also be so bitter and horrible. Um, that that you also just don't want it tainted by those two, you know, fierce rivals. Whereas Tonga and Fiji, I, I love them. Papua New Guinea, amazing. Get involved. Come and come and do whatever you want. You guys are the best. So it's. Yeah, but it, it, I can see it's exactly the same thing. Why should I be so happy for a, a proud Australian Tongan to come and play for New South Wales, but then balk at a proud um, so, a Maori New South Walshman, you know That makes no sense. So, yeah, I can definitely see it doesn't... But, but what
0: what about Xavier Coates, man? He was born in Port Moresby. He'll play for Papua New Guinea at the World Cup, but he can play for Queensland. Like, it, it, there's... I don't know, man. It's It's... I think there's... We've got to just refine what this means and and Origin is still a great spectacle, like Origin 3 this year was probably the best game of rugby league I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's room for Origin and it can, it's great, but, you know, maybe we just need to tweak it a little bit to so that it represents, you know, what Australia and what New South Wales and Queensland in particular, you know, what it is today compared to what it was when the concept was born, you know, before we were born like so yeah i feel t i feel like you and i were disagreeing in the most polite way it's not good listening but oh, no no no
1: it's more me it's more me actually coming out with ideas about it yeah i have i have feelings about it which i can hear aren't aren't a like aren't sensible or rational so i'm trying to also hear myself out i'm certainly not disagreeing with you i'm i mean i can hear and, and agree with a lot of your points and can hear that they're also disconnecting with what i'm how i think so yeah that's a tricky one i'm sure a lot of people come in with one perspective and are either leaving with a new one, or, or mm-hmm. also still sitting there puzzled about why they feel particular ways and can't articulate it.
0: But let's talk World Cup. Like, does you know, you know, does Radley playing for England, does that, in your mind, uh, make you believe that they have a better chance, you know, at this competition?
1: No, it's yeah. Australia versus the world. The um, I'm going to love seeing him there, though. Like, that'll be great to see him playing there and playing well, and and those games will be great. Um, but I just don't. I don't see them getting much better by him. Am I being rude?
0: No, I agree with you. I don't think it's a massive difference. But it will be good to see him there. And you never know. You know, one one big Radley hit, and uh, yeah. it could it could oh, change yeah. it could change the course of a game. But I don't know if it changes the course of the World Cup. I still think I still think England's probably going to be the fourth, maybe even the fifth best team there. To be honest with you.
1: They have a big game against RC players really well. It's in England. The media gets hold of it. Like, that could have a real impact on mm-hmm. that squad and, and make them feel really good. Well, I know we're trying to get into the World Cup, and this is still kind of... I was just thinking about Papua New Guinea and how incredible they were the other day um, during that wrap round, mm-hmm. um, And also just thinking then about Justin Olin playing for Queensland. Like, that does not make sense to me. I'm, st- I'm still stuck on the last debate. Because he now, to me, is such an embodiment of Papua New Guinea. Oh, just, but yeah, that's, yeah. But, just but it's a, so unfair to me to decide that, that Brian Todd was okay for no reason, but Justin Ollum's not. So I can still hear that this doesn't make any sense, but I just found another anom- anomaly in my mind where I'm like, no, Justin Ollum is, like, in, in my mind, would, wouldn't, wouldn't fit in that. Sorry, would definitely fit in the arena, but just...
0: But, yeah, are we talking Ollum or are you talking about Xavier Coates or Justin Ollum? Sorry, I'm confused. No, just,
1: just about Justin Ollum. Oh, yeah, but he, he would never... Sunny yeah. Bill William yeah, but know, oh, yeah. he's, like, he's such a representation of that country to, in yeah. my mind. But that's unfair for me to just say then that he can't also feel, you know, like a Queenslander as well. So anyway, I was just saying that's another person that doesn't mean my, my way of thinking doesn't fit again when I hit someone but, like Justin Ollum.
0: So Olam would never – Olam I don't think, would, under the current rules or system, would qualify for Queensland,
1: I don't think. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. But, like, someone like Caelan Ponga would qualify for New Zealand. And I think probably a lot of people would feel uncomfortable about that as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, because he, he's played already for Australia on the nines.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's played at the... I, I think he would have. He's definitely played nines. I don't know if that would count. But So he would be exact same scenario as Radley. Like, his father is Kiwi. Yep. And, you know, if he wanted to... Like, I know he does talk about his ambition to play for the All Blacks. So, like, <laughs> New Zealand means something to him, but yeah. like Queensland in rugby league probably means more to him. It's, it's a massive debate. I actually I find it very fascinating, and it's yeah. quite a unique scenario that we're in. And you know,
1: now while we're still talking about the World Cup, can we think now just about France getting it? I know it's not the next one, <laughs> but the one the one after that. Such great news of France is getting that World Cup, and it's also great because. We've been looking at, at at the French teams getting into the Super League and, and moving their way through, making some real inroads uh, there. And, and I wanted to get your thoughts at the moment on on Toulouse um, because they're, I mean, they're a bit up and down. They've had a, they've had a last couple of games that looked really good, but they're, um, they're a bit, they're a bit shonky. How, how are you seeing Toulouse at the moment?
0: Toulouse, um, I'm glad we're talking about it. It's been a while, like I said, that since we've recorded, but. In our couple of years recording this show together, there's been a lot of downs, a lot of ups, but a lot of downs you know we've seen the Wolfpack you know come and go yeah. we've seen you know promises of competitions, which we might talk about one later, but things like euro thirteens and NARLs, like different like yeah. all this stuff and it's like positive, awesome stuff and then for whatever reason, you know things fall over but Toulouse was one story where you know we were talking about them you know, being promoted to the Super League, how great they were going in the championship and they finally got promoted and it, it felt like this feel-good story and it sort of led this charge, this this French renaissance of rugby league and mm-hmm. now they've got a World Cup in 2025 and the Elite One is looking fantastic and we've got two clubs in the Super League and it's fantastic and, and Toulouse, for me, there's been, you know, it's been, a, it was a disappointing start to the season. It looked as though they were definitely going to get relegated but um over the weekend or the last couple of weeks, things have changed. Um they had a twenty to six win over Leeds over the weekend and for the first time they've risen off the bottom of the table. So they're now second yeah. last. Uh Wakefield is now at the bottom on points difference. And I do apologise, I've got one there's one Wakey fan on our social media who keeps like every time I post about Toulouse, he's like, Oh, you want you want Wakefield to be relegated, don't you? And I'm like, Oh, Dude, it's no, nothing against Wakefield. Like, don't take any offense. I just really want to lose to be in the, have another crack, have another season in the Super League. Um, but they're finally off the bottom, and I'm looking at the next eight rounds. So the upcoming fi- there's eight rounds left, and if you look at the some upcoming fixtures, so Wakefield their next four games are again all against top five sites. They're playing right. Saints, the Tigers, Catalan, and Wigan. Toulouse are playing Salford, Hull FC, Hull KR, Warrington, so all sides 7th to 10th. Yeah, and, um, and
1: above them. So that's great. So yeah. Like, they beat Warrington. That's going to be really good.
0: So it's actually super... Po- like, it's actually looking okay for Toulouse. Now, the next four weeks, we're going to probably know whether they're up or down. The next team, the team coming third last, I think, is Warrington. They're about they're two wins ahead of both Wakefield and Toulouse. So it's it's definitely out of these two. Um, so apologies, Wakey fans, but um, I think Toulouse are going to get there and I'm really happy about it. So it's uh, it's exciting to see. And it's just so important that we have two French clubs in in the top league over there, you know, leading into 2025.
1: Yeah. And look, I also, through my maths, um, I didn't even look at who Wakefield were playing. I just looked at who Warrington was playing, saw that, saw that Toulouse was going to play them and felt like there was a chance that they could make those two wins up then um with i mean that i mean Toulouse had to go on a pretty amazing s- end of the season but I uh, I had a feeling that they could also be Warrington because Leeds who they beat um is is also in the same amount of points I think as as Warrington so there's I think anyway it's it's exciting I'm excited about it it not looking like another drama where they go up and come back down um I mean and we didn't even get to see what the what the Wolf had got to do in there that was just like ripped from us even before anything got started so well, it's great to see the Toulouse has had the chance uh I, I don't care about Wakefield I'm, I hope that guy <laughs> lives a happy fulfilled life in rugby league and that Wakefield come back up I really don't care what happens to them I want to make sure the Castles Tigers do well and I want two French teams so Wakefield and Warrington if that means one of you needs to go then views of my own but you're in the
0: bed. Well, but that's that's promotion and relegation, right? You go down yeah. and you try and come back up and that's what they, that's it's so important to them over there. We we talk about how we'd hate it over here.
1: Oh my god.
0: Um but it's quite, it, it's actually quite exciting in scenarios like this. But I was having a chat to someone, I don't know who it was, it was on Twitter somewhere, but um you know, we're so excited about relegation when it's a Toulouse or it's a Toronto Wolfpack or something like that. But if it was like Leave and Featherstone at the bottom, I wouldn't give two shits. Like if it was just two mm. small northern. Anyway, but that's that's just me being an expansionist. But it's exciting and, um, yeah, made Toulouse get another crack.
1: I guess being terrified is a form of excitement. I would hate it. if <laughs> in, in a season like the the West, the Tigers having this season, I would be way worse every day if I knew that we were just about to get binned um, and have to fight hard to get back up. Because what if you don't? Like, what if the Dragons got binged one year and then you don't get back up to the year the next few... Like, the next year you're not even good in the relegated season. Like, oh, my God. It's heartache.
0: Our version of that is, like, the North Sydney Bears, um maybe the Newtown Jets. Like, they're just... But there's there seems to be no... Or for the Jets, anyway, there's no chance of, of coming back. The Bears always find some glimmer of hope on the back page of a newspaper, whether it be, yeah. you know, Perth or Central Coast or whatever. But and, and Perth's actually looking... I think that's actually looking pretty
1: likely. But I, would, I hear it is on record. If, if the Perth get the Bears, I'm buying a membership, without a doubt. That's an incredible expansion story, and I love the North Sydney Bears. I, I love Perth. I hope that happens.
0: I feel like the Bears would have been your second team.
1: 100% they were. Yeah. That time where I got to interview Jason Taylor for this podcast was one of my favourite episodes of all time. That was... That was great. We had a long chat. I didn't let him get off the phone, even though the you know, interview was finished. I was on the phone for 15, 20 minutes, just trying to make sure he and I were friends. Um, so, yeah, if they moved there, definitely getting a, a, a thing. But, look, there's so many things. Speaking of second teams, there's so many things that this podcast has loved and tried to get around. And one of them is, of course, Dutch Rugby League. And, and oh, yeah. in that part of the world, which is burning, as we mentioned before, it's absolutely on fire, particularly in the Netherlands. Um, one of our one of our favourite leagues has just wrapped up. Please tell us about it.
0: So grand final weekend over in the Netherlands Rugby League, we saw the Zwolle Wolves 32 over the Den Haag Knights 28. It was a try at the death that did it uh, for the Wolves. Incredible. Um They led 20 to six at halftime, but Den Haag came back, took the lead, and uh, yeah, tried the death, which is how we love to see it at grand final time. Uh, worth noting the bronze medal match as well, so they have a bronze medal match for third place. Rotterdam Pitbulls twenty six over the Amsterdam Cobras, one of our favourite sides. No. Uh, twenty. Um, the, the the Wolves are an interesting story though. So the Wolves are actually the the founder of the Zwolle Wolves Club was an ex Amsterdam Cobra, but he was travelling from Zwolle for training, which is like I'm told like an hour or two away. Um, so he started the Zwolle Wolves Club took a few Cobras with him and uh, in their first season they've won the grand final. So it's mm. it's massive. Unbelievable. Yeah. And and when you think, so the last time they met, the two finalists, um, the Knights actually beat the Wolves 42 to 28. So it's a big turnaround for them to win the grand final. And mm. um, yeah, massive first season. First season of 13s anyway, I should say. The Wolves did play. They were playing, um, they had a nines competition last year, um, you know, in between COVID lockdowns and things like that. But f- to win a grand final in your first full season of rugby league, it's um, it's it's a pretty mean effort.
1: However, I agree with all that, except for the Wolves did come up against the Knights, who I think have been in every single NRLB championship grand final since they started <laughs> in 2015, every single one of them, and they've lost five of them, including this one. So anyone coming up against the Knights, although the Knights did on the bell beat the Cobras, I think it was 2019, that was their one grand yeah. final win. The rest of them have been... They're just there to to lose or to get silver. It's amazing.
0: I might question that because I think they may have lost, I think the Knights may have lost like seven grand finals and they did beat them. Oh, really? I don't know the exact number. I'll have to find out and I will because we've got, I mentioned the founder of the Zwole Wolves. He's actually coming on the show. Um, I'm going to interview him next week and we'll probably release that in a couple of weeks' time just to talk about the season, the grand final. And um, I'll ask him how many how many the the Knights have lost. I feel like I should know the answer to the question. But, yeah, we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time.
1: I can't wait to hear how you start a football team. I mean, we only because the answer is so different. We've asked a whole bunch of different people um, all okay. over the world, really, how they started their football club, their competitions and things like that. And they're always such – first of all, they're always amazing people. Only the best people can have, have that kind of idea and drive and – and make it happen and then they're always because they're in such different parts of the world with different problems and different solutions the stories are always fantastic so that's going to be great and hopefully they'll be sober enough to tell you the story uh, in a week <laughs> after a grand final win. I've given them a week
0: uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I know I uh, on the weekend when I saw the Harold Mats, uh, sorry my Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership Ladies kick Oh congrats golden, yeah the ladies won yeah. Oh my god, there's a the golden point but that was, um, that was shaking beers and spraying it over people and that was a big moment. and I had nothing to do with it, you know what I mean? So that I can't imagine what it would be like to start a team, be in a team, go through a season, win a grand final on the death. Like, I would just be partying. I'd be celebrating that kind of an event for, for a very long time and, and all power to them. Just,
0: um, just quietly, big man. Um, this is completely off topic, but, you know, right. Tigers and our LW team coming soon. I reckon you know you have a chance. Are they?
1: I had no idea. Well, yeah, you,
0: you have a chance to support <laughs> a successful team. I reckon they're going to be okay.
1: I think they'll be better than okay. First of all, the numbers—the numbers are on our side. So I think there's only just over eight teams. So I don't think we can come eighth. But I don't think it's <laughs> like less likely for us to come eighth, um, or, or ninth, I should say. But the um, the 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 amount of um incredible coaching and pathway ness that our region has is second honestly to none in in the entire NRLW. So we were given that we were given that license despite everyone's best intentions because I knew the moment we had Parramatta in the combat and you, that the West Tigers shouldn't have one because you and I are both expansionists and don't think that we should just have a thousand Sydney themes. Yeah. But um I also understood why they gave it to us because we are so good in this space, in, in development, retention, culture, uh, coaching. All of that is so great. And it was obvious in that a lot of the people who played for, in that hub in Norman's Women's Premiership are also Gila Roos and and play for New South Wales and things like that. And they all wanted to come and play for our club because they can see how fantastic it is and, and the work that it's doing. And they wanted to, one, support it, get, get around all of those girls who are coming through, but also to be a part of it because they could see that there's something really great that's happening there. Now, I know that, that Surgis and Apps and all of those players probably won't end up playing in our NRW side. They're, they're currently signed to the Dragons and Bruce's and things like that, but by 2023 when, when they've already won a Premiership with us and, and a lot of the coaching staff will be there and, and things like that, and a lot of the girls that they would have helped and supported through that period are coming through, you, you could see that as a very uh, attractive place to go back to or to lead or, or things like that. So it's exciting. I'm very excited about it. I think they're going to be very good. I know the, the, the entire club is, is excited about it. I can't wait to buy two memberships and, and support them physically and emotionally and financially. Um, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a great period of time.
0: And Kangaroo Chasers, if you thought the uh, Chasing Gillaroos podcast with Mary Kay and Big T was good last season, wait until <laughs> Parramatta plays the Tigers in NRLW, that's right, going to be massive.
1: God. That doesn't happen this year, thank God. We can. Mary and I can get to another season where her and I are just politely talking to each other. But yeah, it's going to get. Well, her and I are such lovely people that I'm sure by the time, as long as we don't do it live, I'm sure both of us will be sane and rational and very polite by the time that game uh, review comes around in 2023. But I'm sure at the time it would be heart-wrenching.
0: Well, Meta, uh, here's a segue for you from new NRLW clubs to new international rugby league nations. I've got a golden point. <laughs> It's like, That's great. We've got uh, Uganda and the Ivory Coast. They're the latest nations to be recommended by the Middle East Africa region to International Rugby League for observer status. So um, it's pretty cool. And these sort of come out... Of, they haven't come out of nowhere. I know there's been a lot of work going on in in Africa in particular. Um, but to hear that, you know, Uganda, they've established eight teams. They've got four men's and four women's teams, and they're expecting to have their first domestic competition up and running this December So I think that's pretty cool And yeah. um, Ivory Coast uh, Which is run by a friend of the pod Carol Manger, um Who's done a lot of stuff for the sport in Cameroon He's also involved here for the Ivory Coast As a general manager um, They've developed five clubs I'm not sure when they're starting But um, just to see the more domestic rugby league Happening in Africa And um, Especially for the for the The women's um, rugby league clubs, because we know there's definitely going to be room for um, an African nation, at least one, uh, at the 2025 World Cup. Now um, it's going to be interesting to see who gets there, and I think it's going to be a, a tough place. So uh, things definitely on the up in Africa and good uh, M E A in particular. So um, great to see it, and uh, some of the some of the photos that come from. From these countries, like we j- jump on our Instagram page if you haven't already, guys. But um, you've got this this awesome like green pasture where they're playing rugby league, and in the background you've got like these bulls and cows, and mm. but it's just really cool. And who was I think it was our friend Rob Ashton from from London who commented on Facebook. Maybe he said this this is probably the greatest photo ever taken of a rugby league game, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, awesome to see. And and congratulations to all involved. Uh, two more rugby league nations, which is, you know, really what this show's all about.
1: I um, I know I'm definitely back on a golden point when I'm hearing the acronym MEA. It's easily <laughs> my favourite. It's easily my favourite place because I know Russia. I'm I'm very still pro Russia, just anti person. But the um, I'm still pro Russia in terms of rugby league worlds. Yeah. But second to that is definitely the entire continent of Africa. Every time we talk about something happening in Africa, I get my imagination. Get so excited about the future of what could happen with one of those places. Every time <clears throat> there's one of those African conferences where they're playing each other somewhere, and you hear about that bus that had to travel for 12 hours, and you know, it was just all of these incredible stories about these people making stuff happen. That place is so exciting, and so like there's so much romanticism in my mind about about rugby league in Africa. And so I can't. Every time you tell me something about this, particularly things where things are becoming official, where it's not just you know the competition played here or the tournament there this is like official things are happening in the world of administration this is excellent news
0: love it man it's it's more like i said it's what we're all about so great to see
1: now speaking of romantic things that i really hope happen
0: <laughs> yes i know where's this going
1: you very quickly brushed on like 20 minutes ago euro 13s yeah now what the hell were you talking
0: it 's not something we I thought I'd hear again for a little while,
1: <laughs> um, you didn't mean to say for a little while
0: <laughs> yeah no well, yeah, but um it's uh we haven't spoken about euro thirteens in maybe a year and a half or something like that, maybe two maybe two years i don't know it's hard to keep up these days after all the yeah. lockdowns and and things like that, but um we- you know we broke us and Nate gladden we broke uh the euro thirteens news when it first came out a few years ago, and for any new listeners euro thirteens um, the concept of the competition was to have clubs from nations across Europe playing in, in, in a tournament. And they had, um, I think they had about 12 clubs playing from all over Europe. It was a really cool concept. Of course, rugby league being rugby league, you know, European rugby league board weren't happy about it and there was a little bit of, uh, bit of fighting going on. But, you know, it was all exciting stuff. And uh, COVID, we thought, killed euro 13s we hadn't heard much about them for a little while and and covid sort of seemed to have got the best of them but they've appeared uh their social media whoever their social media person is they're making some noise again and uh i'm getting a lot of questions about it and the 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 truth is i don't know too much about it other than what's been posted so what they're saying is uh euro 13s will kick off in 2023 uh they're open to new teams applications are open so some of the clubs that were originally there may have fallen over uh some are still there but you know a little bit weaker because of covid but they're open to new teams um and you know i'm excited to maybe you know maybe there's a glimmer of hope um who, who knows i try and stay positive about this stuff mate covid has been difficult you know it's killed the Wolfpack once or twice uh, it's you know it's narl is every week they're promising that something's going to be announced and now Euro 13 is, is is presumably back so i'm excited by it and um but one of the beautiful things that i did see on their socials was that they said that this competition in 2023 will honor uh the co-founder Tiziano Francini who is um one of the administrators in in of Italian rugby league uh who who passed away uh he died um he had co- uh it was a covid related death i believe um in the last 12 months so the fact that this competition will be in honour of Tiziano I think is um, really nice and uh, something like that makes me feel like you know maybe this is a chance of actually happening in 2023 so watch this space we'll try and find out more and um, yeah fingers crossed they can make it work this time
1: yeah they're in, hopefully they've learned some things they're in a better position the world is you know getting around COVID or whatever so yeah, I also hope that, that that happens. And like you, I will say positive until um, I can't. Uh, now, we're wrapping up. We've been here almost an hour, so on a way, maybe 50 minutes-ish. I'd like to round it off the hour by you telling me a bit about your Rugby League in America thing because it's obviously on this um, on the Chasing Kangaroos channel. It's doing such a great job. What's Tell me more about it um, generally. Rugby League in America... Um... One of the best uh,
0: conversations I had at the start of the year. I have a lot of good conversations with my man Nate Gladden, obviously, <laughs> but uh, we got to talking earlier in the year, and I said, "Mate," and he obviously hadn't reco- he hadn't had time to record any podcasts for quite some time. Um, so I said, "Nate, like, how do we get you back? And how do we get you under the Chasing Kangaroos media banner?" And we concocted a plan to get some other voices in to help him. And you know, the listeners out there, if you haven't heard, um, dustin and jimmy on rugby league in america reboot Uh, they've been doing a fantastic job so if you haven't realized already every second week uh we drop an episode on a monday which is rugby league in america and it's completely different to this like the guys are (laughs) so american it's so funny they talk about everything no holds barred and if you know what's going on over there then you know it's you know quite a soap opera at the moment but they talk about all of it um, and they've been doing a great job. It's becoming very popular. It's every two weeks. We mix it up. I try and record. I try and record at least one episode a week as well. So I'll drop on a Thursday or the alternate Monday. But what we've also got as well, so listeners of RLA will know that they have a very long, uh, a very long segment, which is you know news and results from around the Americas. So they talk about results from across, you know, Jamaica, Canada, USA, Brazil, wherever. Um, and it's become quite lengthy. So we've suggested that maybe we split it into its own show. And that's what they've done. So we've now got Dylan Farachi who is the social media manager for all things Rugby League in America. And you may have heard him on Rugby League in America a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the boys have given him his own show. And it's called Scores from Around the Americas. We're working on the title, but I think that's okay. And... Um, Five ten minutes every other week, uh, just to go through you know some of the results like uh, grand finals in Canada and competitions in Jamaica and whatever's going on in the US on both sides. So um, really excited to to bring that to you guys right after this. So stay
1: tuned, and you'll hear the first episode of scores from around the Americas. Carl, let's leave it there, buddy. I love talking to you, and we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Love you, mate. Talk soon.
2: Hello, RLA listeners. My name is Dylan Ferranci, and I'm here to give you the scores across the Americas. So we're going to start things off on July 9th in Jamaica with the NCC round five. We had Rugby League Portmore take on the JDF Warriors, with the Warriors winning forty-two to thirty-four. Then the Young Crocs Academy defeated Spanish Town Vikings eighteen to six. The Duhani Park Red Sharks defeated the Washington Boulevard Bulls forty-six to ten. Now heading down to Brazil in the men's competition. Maregna took on the Sao Paulo Raiders and would be defeated 44-28. to 28. The current standings for Brazil, the Raiders plus 44 with 8 points, Uratel plus 8 and 4 points, and Marigna 52 with 0 points now heading up to Canada in rugby league British Columbia for the men's competition for the final week of regular season play we had the Vancouver Valley Vipers defeat the Coastal, Coastal Cougars 24 to 18 the Whistler Wolves lost to the Point Grey Thunder 32 to 36 and the Valley Warriors defeated the Vancouver Dragons 50 to 36 and now in the United States we had the Jacksonville Axemen defeat the Tampa Mayhem 16 8. And then we had a women's match that day as well um, with the Jacksonville Axe Women being defeated by the Tampa um, Tampa Mischief 10 42. And then the following week, July 16th and 17th, we are going to start things off in Canada in Rugby League British Columbia for the men's semifinals at Langley Rugby Club. Um, we had the Valley Warriors defeat the Vancouver Valley Vipers forty-two to nothing, and the Whistler Wolves were defeated by the Point Grey Thunder at um, a score of twenty to forty-six. So next week we'll see the Vancouver, um, the Valley Warriors take on the Point Grey Thunder in the men's grand final, and then for the women's we had a inter-squad match in Brampton um, for the Canada Ravens. And then in the United States, Tampa defeated F- South Florida Speed via forfeit, and the Jacksonville Axemen defeated the Copperheads 70-10. to And then on Sunday, we are going to head to London. The Rootsmen were in Pool B for the London Nines, along with London Scholars, Royal Logistics Seaside, and the Philippine admirals and the Roots men finished the tournament as the runner-ups. And then in the women's bracket, um, the defending champions Roots were in Pool D, along with Royal Navy Rugby League and London Bears. And the Roots women's side would win the whole tournament, secure, securing back-to-back championships at the London Nines. And then this week. For July 23rd, we have um, the men's grand final between the Valley Warriors at Point Grey Thunder for Rugby League British Columbia. And for our women's side, for round three, the Vancouver Dragons taking on the Valley Warriors. And then in the United States, we'll have three matches as of right now. Um, We have a doubleheader going on in Brooklyn for 13s at Bush Terminal Pierce Park. The first match will be the Boston 13s taking on the Brooklyn Kings at 5 p.m. And the second match for that will be Delaware Black Foxes versus New York Freedom at 6.30. And now heading south, we'll have the Southwest Florida Copperheads taking on the South Florida Speed. Those are the scores around the Americas.